0: This is the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo, giving you the
1: inside track on all the big talking points from Goodison Park. Hello everybody and welcome back to the Royal Blue Podcast in association with Sport Pacer. I'm Phil Kirkbride and today today joined by Adam Jones and Sam Carroll as we chew the fat on all the major issues at Everton from this week and look ahead to Saturday's trip to Bournemouth. Um, we're going to go straight into it, dive straight into it. Um, Sam, Michael Silver said to us yesterday, and I think we put it out this morning, didn't we? That Everton now have three captains. Is that crazy? Is that smart? Is that just a fo- is that football moving forward, or is this something you can't get your head around?
2: Uh, I think in in terms of like squad rotation and, and how it's going to go this season, it's 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 kind of the way it's got to be. And I mean, out out of the three that he's named, I think the only guaranteed start of the season really is Coleman, isn't it? So I, I do think that's the way it's got to be. But I think uh, one area that's quite impressed me now is that, you know, those three that you've named, I think you've even got someone like Jordan Pickford, who's a natural leader kind of behind them. I think, uh, you know, you've probably got a few others like across the pitch as well who who kind of take responsibility on the pitch. I mean, not that he's the most, doesn't look like the most vocal player because I don't think he's got the best of English, but, you know, even watching Richarlison kind of, uh, in the last few weeks, he, he kind of defends from the front, doesn't he? And he and he he makes those runs and he he tracks back in a in a way that gets other players going. So I think at the moment, you know, you know the the, the best case scenario for any footy team would be to have eleven captains on the pitch, wouldn't it? But you know, I mean, to have uh, Phil Jagielka, Leighton Baines, and Seamus Coleman in your back four, and uh, all three of them I think are leaders in in very different ways, but. It's very good to
1: have. just pick 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 you up on something you just said. Then you said, "Seamus Coleman is the only guaranteed starter at the minute." Leighton Baines must be surely.
2: Yeah, uh, well, I, I don't I don't necessarily think so. I think think Dean Lucas Dean. Are we all happy with that? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: I th- well, I think technically it's Luca Dean, but I'm Luca reli- Dean. Yeah, but reliably informed, that he fully accepts Lucas <laughs> Lucas Digne. But carry on. <laughs> uh,
2: yeah, I think I think. I, I don't think you you can call Baines a, a guaranteed starter anymore. I think the way he started the season he, he will play again tomorrow, uh in in a similar boat to, boat to Holgate really, where I think they're both just playing to, to keep hold of that shirt. So but by no means I I would say anymore more that, that Baines is, is a guaranteed starter and I think a lot of Evertonians, you know, are quite interested to see how, how Dean will do when he when he does eventually break into the into the first team, which you know, obviously might not be until latter part of the season or, or next season, but it's good to finally see so you late and have a bit of competition.
1: Um, confident start from you, Sam. You've been very nervous about coming back on the podcast, <laughs> haven't you? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on. Uh, <laughs> Adam, Arsenal have five captains. Unai Emery has is, is, is named five captains. Kashelny uh, is um, his main one. He's got four supporting skippers.
0: Um, are you in favour of this? I think it's a very continental thing, isn't it? Like we were we were discussing this a little bit in the office yesterday, weren't we? And we were saying that it's a very English kind of concept to just have one one person as your main captain and then maybe have a vice captain and then that's it and I think Everton have maybe struggled with that over the last few years I think we've really not had as many leaders on the pitch as we really should have had now I think Seamus Coleman has really grown into his role as a sort of a leader and a couple of years ago he was made international captain wasn't he after Robbie Keane retired so I think it's really nice to see him progressing into this really big strong character not just on the pitch but off the pitch as well I think he leads by example when he's on the pitch and he's a really good role model off the pitch as well and I think it's really good for us to have so many players now we've got Coleman Jagielka and Baines as Marco said that I I think fit into that mould quite well and you know I I, I think it's probably a move in the right direction to have probably as many captains as we possibly can you know like Sam said probably the best case scenario is for you to have 11 players on the pitch who are capable of you know leading by example and dragging everyone else through but yeah, I think I think it's definitely a step in the right direction for us.
2: It's about it's about character and, and personalities, isn't it? You go back to our best ever Premier League season in terms of where we finished when we finished fourth in oh four or five, and you think about oh, some of the players were, you mm. know. And I think it's quite similar now, you know. You've, you're Nigel Martin, and you're Tony Hibbert, you're David Weirs, Tim kale for the first half of the season, Thomas Gravison. People, as Adam says, who, who do drag you through matches and do have that little bit of experience and know how. So, you know, th- I think it just benefits everyone, doesn't it? And obviously, it's just. You know, it, it doesn't majorly affect every anything. Like who is and who isn't the captain? So, are
1: we are we basically saying that the idea of having the armbands a little, actually, a little bit outdated? Yes. Do you think, or do you still think it carries um, a symbolism that's important, and and in that one person is at the end of things, the the person the rest of the team will look to in the toughest moments, maybe?
0: Yeah, well, I wouldn't say it's worthless. Like, I think maybe looking on the international stage I think Brazil are probably the worst case scenario of this I think they like, change their captain every game I seem to notice in the world Cup, like, they, they just had so many people leading out the team and I think when, you, when you've got that as, as you say you're looking sometimes for the, you know, your main focal point on the pitch someone you can always rely on and I think maybe changing your captaincy every game like they do is not not the way it should be done but I think having as many captains as possible is just still Definitely, of major benefit to Everton, and I think Seamus Coleman, especially now being given that the armband, I think it's very symbolic for him. Mm. Like as he's shown on the international stage, he really, he's really proud of it, isn't he? And he really lives up to it. And I think was that was that the first time he'd, he'd been made Everton captain, the weekend. Yeah, I think it fished from the start of the start of a match. I think it was. Yeah, yeah, and you know, imagine his feeling to lead out lead out the side of Goodison park. You know, he he seems to really get everything. Uh, that Everton's about. I know fan. some fans don't particularly like that phrase, but I think I think that perfectly sums up Seamus Coleman. And I think the more players we can have who feel that pride when they put on the armband, the better, really.
2: I think for me, it's representative. Sorry, Phil. Just sorry, sorry, Cut you off twice now. <laughs> you, just, you just take over. I don't I think care. I mean, Adam, just have a chat <laughs> yeah, yeah, go on. I'll, I'll turn this way. All you've got, all you've got to do, really, as an is think back to the Burnley away game last season when Ashley Williams was do we the have captain. to. <laughs> <And> <laughs> obviously, you know. What some of the things maybe Williams did and some of his performances last season weren't kind of what Evertonians see in their badge, and their club, you know, and, and, and what we should really be standing for now as a team, whereas, you know, you do... I, I think, as you said, it has become a little less important in terms of who is the actual captain, but there is that sense of, you know, even if it does just G the crowd up a little bit more or someone does turn to, you like, Sir so Coleman or Baines and Jagielka and want to put that extra yard in because... The captain isn't just trying to have scraps and elbow people in the head, you know. It's <laughs> it's just the little things like that that might pull you through games, might get you that goal, or might get you that point. That's the difference between sixth and seventh, or fifth and sixth. So I think it's just a, it's it's a nice thing to have, and I think it's a nice thing uh, at the moment to have kind of a potential new captain coming through the ranks in, in the likes of of Seamus Coleman, and I think even longer term, if if we can get him to stay at Everton, would I think Jordan Pickford would be the ideal long-term captain for Everton after think John,
0: John Joe Kenny is another shout he, mm. uh, obviously a leader at uh, under 23 level with David Unsworth I think he's got he's already shown off the qualities for me of being able to be like a, a true Everton captain you know if he can keep progressing the way he is definitely
1: so then quickly um, the three captains is obviously only two captains this weekend because Jags
0: is still suspended so who who uh, leads the team out at Bournemouth I think you've got to keep it as Seamus
2: Coleman haven't you he's personally for me no debate is it? it's got to be it's got to be Seamus
1: okay um we'll stick with Bournemouth um that is the game tomorrow three o'clock kickoff at the Vitality um Adamar recent games there have been nothing short of eventful obviously we won in the FA Cup didn't we but have uh, lost under Ronald lost under Sam and of course the uh, the 3-3 that nobody <laughs> will forget um Bournemouth have started really well mm-hmm. um Eddie Howe is obviously somebody with a growing reputation and has been given the time and the funds and the stability to build a squad. In the in the block of five games, how how concerned were you in the opening five games where this about this game? In terms of, because everybody we were talking about Wolves, weren't we, and how difficult that was going to be, and it did prove a tricky game. But Bournemouth away has always been tough for us. What are your thoughts? Are you concerned? Are you confident that actually we've got nothing to worry about here?
0: I wouldn't say we've got nothing to worry about. I think. As you've mentioned there, Bournemouth always seems to provide a really, really tough test for Everton. And I think uh, probably the game against them last season was like where we just started to see that little bit of a falter in the festive period, wasn't it? came a couple of days after the, uh, the draw at West Brom. Mm. And, uh, yeah, fal- faltered again. But obviously, we've had that mad 3-3. Uh, got beat 1-0 with that quite brilliant Stannis last goal, wasn't it? Yes, as, yeah, as well. yeah. I think we've only beat them in the Cup since they've come up, so... like they always seem to create this such a small stadium mm. they can create such a unique atmosphere for themselves that you don't really get to see in the Premier League a lot and I think even that will cause quite a few problems for Everton and obviously as you've already said there they've come in with amazing confidence you know coming back to win against West Ham I know they've not started the season particularly well themselves but that gives you a confidence boost anyway doesn't it? I think West, West Ham maybe got a bit complacent when they took the lead against them so Everton just can't can't let that happen you know we think we started well against Southampton but probably let them back into the game a bit more than we really should have and I think that should serve as a warning really we like we can't take anyone for granted especially coming into with Marco Silva coming into his the start of his reign you know we've still got a lot to learn about the way he plays he's still got a lot to learn about the way his players fit into his system obviously he's got a big change to make in midfield with Morgan Schneider and having to drop out so I think there are factors there which will mean that Everton will have to put in a lot of hard work does it, to get a result out of this one. Some Adam mentioned Morgan Schneiderlin. Then it's not something
1: that we'd ever have asked on this podcast last season. But are you concerned that we will not have Schneiderlin in midfield?
2: Yeah, I think definitely in, in an away game as well because uh, when he is on top of his game, I think he has a calm and presence in midfield. He's a he's an experienced head. He's someone who again when he's when he's playing as he showed at the beginning of this season and, and not last season, he can get on the ball and he can kind of just settle things down and kind of, you know, create his own rhythm almost. I think that was something that, you know, was happening in the Southampton game, wasn't it? And I think that we definitely a lot of people, yourselves included, pointed out that it was missing a little bit, uh, when he went off the pitch and you just think that, you know, whoever replaces him, I think the only two candidates really would be Tom Davies or Bernard if he got a nod, would that be no one else. Would you play Bernard and, uh, Holden? Except that's what I mean. you'd so, have to drop Sigurdson I mean, back it's, I presume. It's a hundred percent almost going to be Tom Davies, isn't it? Be, I think a lot of Evertonians would be very surprised for it to not be Tom. And I think Tom's really got to do now what he what he done against Southampton. I think I seen the statistic earlier that uh, he was they had the best pass completion rate of anyone on the pitch apart from Schneiderlin. He obviously went off quite early. And I think that's what he's. You know, we need we're going to need the, t- the tidy Tom Davies. We're going to need the Tom Davies who kind of a merge to more, towards the, the back end of, of Ronald Koeman's reign and not, you know, you know Tom every game is going to give you energy and give you that little bit of verve and drive, but I think it's going to be key for him to have a little bit of quality on the ball tomorrow, especially alongside Garner, who I think he did, he scored against Bournemouth last he season. He did, yeah. he did, yeah. He yeah. popped up against Bournemouth, might, might just love a goal against the Cherries, <laughs> but I don't think you're going to get uh, the the skill set of passing from Garner what you do off Schneider and so... You know, it, it could be a real key game in in Tom Davis's Everton career tomorrow. So, Adam,
1: therefore, do you look at the game? You look at who we're playing, and the fact that Bournemouth are going to want to be on the ball. They're at home, and all the onus, as usual, is on the home team, etc. And all that, all that sort of stuff. Bearing in mind that Marco Silver, I asked him directly in the summer, "Will we be a counter-attacking team under you?" And he said, "No. The expectations at Everton are much higher. You have to be on the ball and creative, etc., etc." Is this actually, though, going to be a day when counter-attack probably will be our strongest weapon?
0: Uh, do you know what? Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd probably argue that it probably is the case. I think against Southampton, probably the most one of the most promising things that we saw, and that this was apparent throughout the match, it wasn't just in the first half, was how well the front four were linking up with each mm. other. Obviously, Cenk didn't get himself on the score sheet and hasn't yet this season, but I think his hold of play so far this season has been... Exemplary the way he's managed to bring in Richarlison and Walcott into the game. Sigurdsson, obviously, we know about the hard work rate he's put in, but his set piece deliveries, especially, have been very good. I think so far this season. And then we've spoke a lot about Richarlison, you know, the amount of direct pace that he can bring, and obviously it's the same for Walcott. So I think if they if those front four are really performing well, I think we can just one-touch pass our way through Bournemouth almost. <sighs> Sam, one-touch pass our way through Bournemouth. I can, I can <laughs> hear them
1: getting angry on the South Coast already. <laughs> you will not
0: do that. I'm confident. <laughs> Bournemouth got in defence. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I, I, I just think we should be com- we should be confident yeah. in the front four that, we, that we've got here. And, you know, as Sam said there, if, t- if Tom Davis can come in and put in an, an assured performance, and I think Marco Silva's system obviously suits him a lot better than both Ronald Koeman's and Sam Aldices, I think. There was a lot of times last season when Tom Davis was asked to do a bit too much defensively, and it it just doesn't really. It's not really his game. No, is it? it doesn't. It doesn't really suit him. And I think he was speaking to the official site yesterday about h- how he's now become this box to box sort of midfielder right, under Kuban yeah, yeah. and uh, under Silver, sorry, and uh, it it suits him so much better. And I definitely agree with that. So hopefully we'll see the best out of Tom Davis. He's, a, f- he's a front foot player, isn't he? Oh, absolutely. You'd you'd rather see him at the edge of the opposition box rather than. At the edge of our own box, yeah. So, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping he can just slot in well, and then hopefully he can provide that good link between defence and attack, which we're going to need. Like, it might not be counter and football, but I think it's got to be fast, direct mm. football, if nothing else.
1: Yeah, um, Sam, you mentioned Bernard. Um, he's in contention. We, you know, it's. I think Marco's making a decision today. Probably, probably is taking it this morning about whether he'd be involved. Uh, is, do you think that Mar- is, patience is the key? Do you think Marco is right to be patient or do you think actually if he's training with the first team just get him in the squad and give him 20 minutes at Bournemouth and just chuck him in and, and make him acclimatise that way or, or is Marco right to be patient and, and, and wait till he's
2: 100%? I think he's right to be patient. I think you're probably the best example we can do, although obviously in different circumstances. Probably Balassi last season, wasn't it? We were, we were crying out for someone with a bit of directness, with a bit of pace. And now, maybe when you look on how career has kind of sputtered to to an end at Everton, you maybe think it was it was a little bit too much, you know. I think you, you could almost see the rustiness in Balassi, couldn't you? I think it got the worst I seen him was probably the derby at Goodison last season. And I think the thing is the the difference now is that we're not crying out for someone, are we? I think those front four have really clicked. From what we've seen in the opening two games, they're playing some good football together. Adam's predicting they're going to one touch <laughs> through the Bournemouth defence. So you know, but I, c- I, c- I could see, I can see the Bournemouth
1: echo now turning that round for the morning.
2: <laughs> Bernard will probably come in and ruin it with two touches.
0: Yeah, yeah. You know, he's, uh, he's not, don't want any of that. He's not on that, on that wavelength.
2: That's not dally on the ball yet. So, you know, I don't know. Maybe on the bench for, for now, but th- there's absolutely no reason to rush him. And I think the most interesting thing, I think it was. it was... Rats that said it wasn't in his column this week. Where where does he even fit in at the moment? I don't think... Uh, go, mate, on, go on then,
1: answer the question. Where does he fit in?
2: Our keeper's not much good, is he? <laughs> <laughs> is he playing goal? I think Bernard's a bit small.
0: I key. think the <laughs> Premier League's been crying out for a 5 goalkeeper. 4 goal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. René Higuita's return. <laughs> yeah. To
2: be honest, I, I generally love, love to see where everyone does think he fits in because I genuinely at the moment, can only put him on the bench. I cannot see where really he fits in in that front four. I really like that front four and the way they're playing. And I think Schneidlin and, and Gay have started the season well enough that they deserve to play there and I don't think he's played many games in that kind of deeper position has he? I
1: think he has. Mm. He, he has on occasion. But mm. I think you're right. He I don't has filled think in. he has um I think he's predominantly played left wing in the yeah. 4231 or behind the striker. Do you have any opinion where you think Bernard could fit in?
0: Who I could th- who could he muscle out the team f- to get in the 11? I think the best way he'd fit in is probably when you're playing a home game against, you know someone someone who you expect expecting to beat. He's going to park the bus, basically. Yeah, then I think you City. play. City, City alone. Yeah, he'll park the bus. You <laughs> <laughs> could one-touch past three then.
1: They uh, they just edited that section out of the uh, documentary on Amazon Prime, didn't they?
0: Pe- pep talking about parking the bus. It's, it's in there. <laughs> Pe- pep talking about Rooney's pace around the back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think in that in that kind of scenario, then I'd want to see us playing. Maybe Sigurdsson and Bernard. Like maybe dropping Sigurdsson back into that box, to box role. I think he right. can. I think he can play pl- that well And enough. just playing with one holding, rather play than two. one, play one holding, and then play two attacking midfielders. I think that's probably where, he, where he's best going to fit in now. But I think at the minute, I, I, I would probably agree that he's he's probably best off used at the bench because you know this front four is working really well. I don't see any particular need to try and mm. change it up.
2: Could see. Could the out there shout be to move Walcott or Richarlison centrally and and
1: Richarlison can play centrally? Ah,
2: yeah. Tos- I mean, Tosin's been brilliant so far, but if, if the goals didn't end up coming for for Cenk, which we all hope they do, it would be quite interesting to see Theo or Richardson down the middle, wouldn't it? And I mean, it'd be mm. a it'd be a rapid front three that mm. I don't think we've seen at Everton you know, since I started watching. <laughs> I don't think we've ever had three attackers that fast. But then you kind of wonder. Does Tosin kind of just give that little bit of muscle and that little kind of added thing? Because at the end of the day, even if Tosin only scores four or five goals this season, but we win a lot of games and we finish fifth, sixth, he's kind of doing his job, isn't he? I think Mm -hmm. at the end of the day,
0: it's a really nice discussion to be having because you, you look last season and you could probably pick out the majority of our starting 11s and none of them were particularly exciting. But now you've got... You even, even looking back like when Jeremy Min is fit when Andre Gomez is fit you know, you've got decisions to make in central midfield central defence we're already talking about left back as well I, was, I asked Marco this the other day and, and naturally the way Marco is he
1: was, he was seeing it as something that he wanted and was happy to take it on but there's going to be a period where people aren't going to be happy my mm. players, I mean, sorry. Players aren't going to be happy because you're going to have good, genuinely good players sat on the bench. Luckman's fuming already. <laughs> well, yeah, obviously L- Luckman aside, we know he's is, is, is unhappy. But I'm talking about, you know, we talk about Bernard there. Then, yeah. you know, when Yeri Mina is fit and yeah. Zuma, he's, he hasn't come he hasn't come on loan to sit on the bench. Mm. And yeah. then Michael Keane's been playing well. Holgate's been playing well. So, you know, how's, how, how do you cope with that?
0: At the end of the day, I think, I think Silver and Brands have both got to just... Put across the the whole project that we that we want from Everton. Like they've said from the start that they want two players fighting for every position, and I can't I can't imagine that the likes of Yeri Mina, uh, Kurt Zuma, Andre Gomez. I can't I can't imagine that they've been told anything different when they've been asked to join the club. Mm. They've, they've probably said, look, there, there will be competition for places. There might be times when you don't get in, but that's what that's what being at a top level Premier League club should be about, you know, because you've got. I know, I know, I'm going to the extreme here, but you've got Man City. Like, look at the quality players that they've that got on the bench. It's ridiculous. Exactly, and you know, it, it probably does get to the point where some of them aren't happy. You know, mm. got maybe the likes of Bernardo Silva probably doesn't start every game. You know, new summer sign and Riyad Mahrez. I don't think he's. Well, Sane's on the bench, this. isn't he? Sane's on the bench, exactly. And insane. <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's the end of the day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> hope the camera picked up that reaction, <laughs> God carry on Adam <sighs> lost me train of do you, thought to hey. take over yeah go on
2: I, I don't even think <laughs> it's a case of having to explain to these these players about a project it, it, it's you know the, I mean as you said let's let's take Luckman aside because I think maybe this whole situation is a little bit different but if, if you're not playing as well as the next person or someone else has got the shirt you've, you've, you've just got to be patient haven't you and I think obviously you know, they're asked, you know they've paid 30 million for me 30 million 27 million for Mina mm. they've got mm. Zuma on loan so you know both of them, we'll expect to play. Gomez has came from Barcelona on loan. You know, he probably wants to play, and, and every single player in that that squad will want to play, won't he? But I just think it's, it's kind, of, it's a case now of of Everton, as as you said, you know, top clubs like Manchester Cities, like your Chelsea's teams who are winning trophies, do have these hard discussions with players, don't they? And mm. at the end of the day, they still go on to win the trophies, and and everyone has to play a part and in some form, and and at the end of the day. You know, you've got to think that we're not just playing thirty-eight Premier League games here, are we? You know, I want to see Everton. Well, hopefully not. Exactly, yeah. I want to yeah. see Everton go on a run. You know, that's a that's a good Carabao Cup first-round draw. I want to see Everton do well in the FA Cup. You know, let let's let's have a go at getting on a on a few good cup runs. Let's give the fans something to get excited about. And if if you, if you want to progress to the to the later stages of of two cups and and the Premier, and you want to do well in the Premier League, you need at at least 25, 26 players, don't you? And everyone's going to get a fair crack of the whip, and I think last season we were just caught too short too many times, you know, in games where we had Martina left back and Kenny right back, uh, players somehow playing out of position when we'd spend all that money, and people, you know, square pegs, square pegs even into round holes, so I think this is, this is exciting really, isn't it? It's amazing to now be able to confidently say, I think in pretty much every position, maybe bar one or two, to say, all right, well, if he gets injured... I'm 100% confident in the lad who's going to come in to replace him.
1: The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. The Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo. So what happens then, Adam, neatly, Sam, un- unsuspectingly, has neatly segued into what I want to talk about now. Um, what happens when Theo Wolcott gets injured mm. and, as expected, Yannick Balassi has gone to Aston Villa on loan? Mm-hmm. What What do we do? it's Luckman, isn't it it's got, to, it's got to be is he not the left is he not left can he play right wing properly is he not more of a left winger uh, I
2: think it's interchangeable now isn't it like you're Luchman I'd, I'd like your like people aren't so. just left and right wingers anymore I wouldn't say
0: I'd, I'd like to think so and I'd, to be honest I'd like to think we've got such a fluid front three now that any of them can play anywhere across, across that front line so yeah I'd, I'd quite I'd quite like to see Luch- like if it, if it if it comes down to it maybe put Luchman on the left and Richarlison on the right. You know, he's got probably a bit more Premier League experience. Like he, I think he could absolutely do a job on the right. You think he could do a job anywhere, to be honest. Whack like him in goal, he'll, he'll, do a, <laughs> he'll do a job. But, yeah, I think Adam Ola Luchman's a solid backup. And then, obviously, if you're going to move Richarlison over to the right, you've got Bernard who can now slot in on the left. And, then, and I think it's promising, as Sam's saying. You've, we've We've got some real real options in this squad now, and I think it's really nice to be be able to have these discussions, especially after what we had to go through last season.
2: The only player I worry about losing, and I don't know if it's the same for you two, is is Gay. I think the times he was out last season, there's there's no other player in the Premier League aside from Kante, really. I think, like, Adrissa Gay and what Adrissa Gay kind of offers to Everton in terms of the ground he covers, and you know maybe until we see Andre Gomez it'll be a little bit different, but I think I'm confident of losing most players in the squad right now apart from Idris Agayi and, and Jordan Pickford. I think it's really hard to come up with a a player of gay sort of quality in attributes, does, isn't though, it? isn't yeah. it?
0: Like I think I think if you're a Chelsea fan you're saying the same, you know, if Kanté gets injured then who, who do they bring in who's going to do all the things that he does? I just I, think it's for just a think think
2: specific system though, isn't it? You know what I mean? Like would you be confident going into maybe Manchester United, Manchester City away kind of Gomez, Schneiderlin, Sigurdsson.
0: I think that's the point where you've got to you've got to realise that you've got different profiles of players in that position. So you've you've got to have some sort of plan B, C, D system yeah. to be able to be able to combat. You know, when a player gets injured, and we have to, but maybe go to Old Trafford with a midfield of, let's say, Andre Gomez and Morgan Schneidlin, for example. I Think yeah. you've, you've got to have some sort of contingency plan in place because otherwise, why are you bringing these players into the squad? Yeah,
1: Silver, of course, labelled. Uh, Garnagay's performance on Saturday uh, against Southampton was amazing um, but I imagine like the rest of us he wanted to throttle him when he kicked that free kick straight to Southampton <laughs> in injury time um, moving on though um, Monday night the under-23s uh, continued their unbeaten start to the new Premier League 2 season uh, following a nil nil draw with Chelsea they beat Leicester City 1-0 Sam, uh, you were there um, generally your thoughts on, on, on their performance Uh
2: p- the game on a whole, not the best under twenty-three game we've both ever watched. I don't think, um, but there's some genuinely good players in there, and, and there's a lot of lads with with futures that kind of need resolving. Really, isn't there? You know, I think uh, you know some of the older lads in defence. I think there's definitely players in there. You've got Galloway, Brown, and Pennington. I thought the goalkeeper of Virginia, very good. I think Joe Williams impressed us both in the definitely in the second half, and now he's moved on to Bolton and I think it's a it's a really, really interesting time for those lads just as much as some of the first team. I think all three of us have, have tracked the under twenty three now over a, a pretty long period of time and we've watched people like Anthony Evans, Harry Charlesley now grow into grow into men, isn't it really, from, from when I and a few of those from when I started watching them. So Uh I think there's you know it's it's definitely good to, to get down there and watch them and, and, and have a look what what is coming through. But I think the ones for, for me this season I'll be keeping my eye on probably Fraser Horn being Anthony Evans. I think towards the latter end, obviously Anthony picked up that injury, but it was very good at the start of the season. I think Fraser started kind of getting into it towards the end of the campaign. It'll be interesting to see kind of what they do and and what the plan from the club is for them to.
1: Um, Sam mentioned uh, Brendan Galloway and Tyus Browning. I think the plan had been at the start of the summer, certainly from their point of view, was to try and find another loan. Mm-hmm. Um, as we sit here and record, this podcast is uh, basically a week, just you know, a week and a few hours left. Do you think that the best thing for them actually could be to stay at Everton until January? Um, Play every week, keep fit, it's
0: in, regain it's in, their confidence. It's interesting my instinct is that probably alone is best but now that i think about it i think i think you you, you could be right there i think as you say stay, staying at everton being able to play i know it's not a, a first team level the under 23s but it's not exactly easy either is it really you know i think they'll they'll have some hard work playing with the under 23s david Unsworth is obviously a fantastic coach and he's Proven that with a lot of Everton youngsters so far, and I think potentially the chance to work closely with him for even even a few months could be massively beneficial. Like especially Galloway with the troubles that he's had on loan over the last few over the last couple of years. I think if he was to go out on loan again, he'd need some big assurances that you know he was going to be given mm. given the chance. Uh, Brown, I think, is a bit different. I think he got quite a few opportunities at Sunderland last season. I've had some quite good reports from him in, in a few games so maybe if he can find another loan to maybe another championship club I think that might suit him well to you know get as much first team football under his belt as he can but for Galloway I think it might be a little bit different you know uh, as you say staying at Everton for a few months get that confidence back up rather than sitting on the bench for a championship team you know play every week for underneath under David Dunsworth and hopefully you know winning a few games will really give his confidence back
2: mm. it- Go on, Sam. Sorry, mate. Sorry, I I agree with Adam in the sense of maybe Galloway and, you know, I think Underwood's a good coach of putting his arm around people and maybe giving them a little bit of confidence of what they've lost. But I think my only problem now is that, you know, you go through that team and you think Galloway, uh, Pennington, Brown, and Charsley, Anthony Evans, Joe Williams, uh, anyone else now who played who's had a loan?
1: Who else played...
2: Or you look at lads who we've brought in from other clubs and and, and have, have played Football League, have played them, and I think the problem that some of these lads have is that, you know, as, as as fantastic as the coach and the receiver Everton is, and, you know, obviously you're not playing against, you're still playing against some brilliant players in under-23 level. I think once you've been out there and you've experienced, you know, Tyus Brown's played in front of a packed stadium of light, Matthew Pennington played in front of Elland Road, and I think once you've had that buzz and you've you've experienced that, you know, top-flight, competitive men's football. I think they're all just itching to kind of get back to that, you know what I mean? And obviously, as Adam says, I think it's crucial that the club and the player, the agents and everyone involved, make the right moves. But I think it would be amazing if we could get as many of the lads back out there and back playing, because that really is the only the only way you learn. I think there's the, the kind of thing of, in terms of under-23s, you know, unless you're amazing for weeks on end or you're terrible for weeks on end I don't think it really kind of goes you know these are development games these senior games playing for points playing for promotions playing for fans who are singing your name you, you can never get that back so that's why personally me in the next seven or eight days I'd like to see as many lads as, as possible get good low moves where they can go and showcase how good they are because I think we all know how good some some of those lads have got the potential to be if not at Everton you know for, for, for decent clubs in, in the Premier League and elsewhere
1: um, Sam's speaking. A lot of sense there, Ad. But is there not a case for saying actually stay around the twenty threes, train with Unzi, play most weeks for the twenty threes, and because under twenty threes players always join in first team training. Get un- get under the nose of Marco. Get let
0: him see you.
1: Learn off him as well.
0: I, th- I think especially with the introduction of obviously Silver and Brands. They've obviously already said that they want to see as many youngsters come through as they possibly can they want to not just develop the first team but they, like Marcel wants to develop from the, from the academy up and I think that that should be on at the forefront of some of these players' minds like we've seen John Joe Kenny move into the first team quite recently you know Tom Davis Kieran Dowell still at the club and he's going to be around the first team action and we've got Everton have got such a long history of these academy players being brought up through the ranks and I think you you must have some players in in that in that squad, you know, like your Hornby's, like your Charles Lees maybe you would you would must be having a look at this and thinking, you know what, I'll I'll have a couple of a couple of good games under David Unsworth. He's he'll have a good word to say to me about me mm. to uh, to Marco Silver and who knows what could happen, you know, you get your, you get yourself on the bench for a Premier League game, you know. Maybe there's an injury, maybe there's some something happens, you get your chance and all it takes is a good good fifteen, twenty minute spell. Get the fans behind you, and then sudden, suddenly you—you almost a f- first-team player. I think that's what really happened with Davis and Dow, wasn't mm-hmm. it? A couple of years ago, like especially Davis, like we saw him in a little cameo in one game, wasn't it? And Southampton, then, and, and then yeah. he started against Norwich, and was man of the match. Exactly, the fans—the fans instantly just went, "Yes, he's like the fact." The fans know a good player when they mm-hmm. see them, so I think it would be nice to for them to be able to have that chance to get the exposure in front of the Everton fans. Yeah, definitely.
1: Um, Sam, as a former goalkeeper, because you now fancy yourself as some sort of creative
0: midfielder, don't you? Um, <laughs> no, only he fancies himself as that. Um, well,
1: what did you make of uh, João Virginia's performance?
0: I'm
2: blown away, really. For
1: for uh, I think is he eighteen? I think he's a bit older, isn't he? I think so. Nineteen. But 19. I Think so.
2: Yeah. Uh, for for someone like that, and you know, you look at him at first, and he's you know he's he's built you know he's a he's a big lad, but he's he's built quite kind of like slim and you know, he's just coming out of, of his area and collecting balls and. You know, made a few smart saves didn't he early on and into the second half and I thought I think from watching him in the under-23s over the last couple of seasons I think he just had that little step up that little kind of thing of you know I think he's won the he won the Euros didn't he with Portugal under-20s or, or or a youth team with Portugal and you could just tell he had that little, that little bit of class about him and I think uh, one thing that really stood out to me was that, you know people in the crowd around me were kind of like every time you know he's been brilliant that keeper and Received a lot of, a lot of plaudits, and, and from yourself as well in the end, didn't you? I think he had a real kind of striking impression on, on everyone. I think it'll be interesting, really. There was a, a few eyebrows raised when we signed him, but I think Marco wants three goalkeepers, and on that form, it wouldn't surprise me if he if he became Everton's number two. I was going to say, how long, how long is it until he overtakes Martin Stecklenberg?
0: Because you can only see Martin Stecklenberg's career going one way with his age, mm. and you can only see it going... One way with Virginia with his agent, like it will surely get to the point where you know we've just been talking about players proving themselves in mm. the under twenty threes. How long is it until he's proven proven himself enough to be given that slot on the bench?
1: Well, because Martin signed a contract extension in the early in the summer, but kind of acknowledging that he would be there as a almost in a mentor status mm. to Jordan, and maybe he will become that mentor to uh, Virginia as well. So that'll be interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, just before we wrap up, chaps, as we're all busy and we're trying to go to Bournemouth and Sam you've obviously got major plans this evening I imagine Buy a toasty maker yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> Everton released their third kit today uh, I think it's been widely received as I think a lot of people really like it um, obviously an offshoot story that we had this morning was that Richarlison has been the most popular name that fans have been asking to get on the back of their shirts interesting Leighton Baines and Tom Davis are the most popular names for fans
0: under the age of 16 um, who do you have on the back of your shirt lads? Uh, Seamus Coleman, because I think I play most like Seamus Coleman. What a and massive I'm not, I'm not shout. having any arguments. That is ma- an awful shout. Oh, Jones, I'm, not I'm not as good as Seamus. Oh, well, Coleman. that's no, the no, no. spread. No, no, on no, no let's, not, uh. let's not twist me words here. Yeah? Well, one
1: touch we're going to beat Bournemouth with one touch passing, and I'm as good <laughs> as Seamus Coleman. Well, oh wow.
2: <laughs> my prediction comes from someone who, at the beginning of the 2003 four season, got Rooney on the home kit and Rosinski on the away one. And me dad had to take my time and burn both of them when they both left. Oh, God. Yeah. It was a scarred moment to me yeah, childhood. Yeah. I think this season, maybe Pennington 38 or... <laughs> <laughs> I think, uh, uh, it's the goalkeeper's union, isn't it? It's the bright green goalie top with Pickford one on the back. Yeah. Oh, I you thought it, you were, were going to say Stecklenburg. <laughs> <Virginia>.
1: <laughs> As you're no longer a goalkeeper, Sam, we established this at, now. Uh, outfield name?
2: Uh, well, probably because I'm as good as him, Richarlison, 30. Ah, right, okay. <laughs> <laughs> what about you, Phil? Oh, yeah. As a centre-half, oh, f- is it Jag 6? it
1: have to be, yeah. Similar, yeah. Similar, well, he's a little bit older than me, but yeah, probably past his best as well, like me. So,
0: uh, <laughs> we Can will he fizz those left-footed shots across the box, though? Probably. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing to be proud of.
1: Uh, thank you very much, Chats. Really enjoyed it. Uh, zipped through a number of issues there. Um, so myself and Adam will be heading to Bournemouth later today, ahead of the Saturday game at the Vitality. Am I not, am I not coming? Uh, mm. I don't think you're in our car, mate, so I don't know you're <sighs> getting
0: <laughs> It's a cruel rejection on here. I'm sorry to break this to you now, but, you know, you just, you're just not wanting <laughs> <laughs>
1: So, thank you very much for tuning in. Uh, we'll be back uh, starting next week as we look to uh, review the Bournemouth game and hopefully a victory, and also look to preview the Carabao Cup game with Rotherham McGrudson on Wednesday night. So, uh, stay with us. Thanks very much for listening. You've been here with the Royal Blue Podcast in association with Sport Pacer. You've been listening to the Royal Blue Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.